Greetings, film fans, and welcome to another episode of the Following Feature Podcast. I'm your host, Arthur Wilde, and I'm back. Yeah, I'm sorry I had to take a week off, but I don't know what happened last week. It just seems like everything seemed to be building up over the weekend, and I just had absolutely no time. And the last thing I wanted to do was half-ass this and just kind of quickly rush one in. I mean, I don't really give it a lot of work, let's be fair. It's not the greatest podcast in the world. Um, if it was, there'd be more of you listening. I don't know. But really, I just, I felt last week that there was just too much going on. And um, if I'm honest, I kind of felt like I needed a break from it. Like it had been taken over every single Sunday. And um, I mean, I love it. But sometimes... It's weird when you have a passion that you feel obliged to do. Um, and last Sunday, I, I went and watched my nephew play football. Um, and it was just one of those things where like, I got back and I still had just a mountain of shit to do. And just, yeah, I just, I, I wasn't really in that, that mindset. So I decided it's just a week. I'll take a week off. But now I'm back because it seems like a really, really long time since I've spoken to you guys. And... It's kind of weird. Um, obviously, I miss you. You guys are brilliant. Uh, you're not just people who download the podcast. You're also people I consider friends, really. I mean, I've, I've had some really nice people reach out and, and speak to me about the podcast. Um, admittedly, only only one person uh, was like, where the fuck's the podcast? Um, I think most people have seen the Facebook post. But either way, I'm, I'm, sorry, if, I'm sorry if you missed me for a week. I'm sorry if I deprived you of my weird, incoherent ramblings about film news and castings and all kinds of jazz, which is kind of specific to my own personal tastes. Um, but here we go. We're back again. And um, whilst I've been off, I've been giving it some thought in regards to what this podcast actually is. Now, it is a movie podcast, pure and simple. Movie news, movie reviews, that's it. Um... But, you know, I try to I try to make me part of the, the, the podcast. I try not to make it too cold and robotic. I want to put a bit of my personality into this. Um, and I'm hoping that's really coming across. But really, as far as the concept of what it is, it was, it was never really supposed to be anything more than um, a way of me venting, really. Just kind of getting some stuff off my chest in regards to films. Because during lockdown... We didn't really get to see each other. We didn't really get to spend some time with our friends and family. We didn't really get to do all of the kind of social things that we're normally used to doing. Um, and if anyone that has spent any time with me socially, you'll realise that there's one thing I like to do. It's talk for fucking hours about movies. Even movies I've seen, movies I want to see, uh, movies I've seen way too many times. Um, yeah, just I just like talking about the actual films and how films have affected me and kind of you know how they've shaped me and and how they've they've helped craft the personality that shines through this wonderful podcast um movies have been a huge part of my life since before I can even remember uh it, it was a hugely important thing for me to go to the cinema on a regular basis as a kid um and watch films on TV like I used to love sneaking down in the middle of the night and sticking on channel two or four and just trying to find some kind of world cinema or, or something, you know, something that Mark Mode was introducing that just kind of gave me something more to sink my teeth into. Um, and it's a passion that stayed with me my entire life. I sit here talking to you, staring at just stacks of films on shelves and just thinking about when was the last time I watched half these films, or whether I'll really have a chance to revisit all of them, or whether I actually want to revisit them. Um, and just kind of remembering what they mean to me in regards to what part of my, you know, what was going on in my life when they were released. Um, because there are some quite significant films. Um, and, you know, there, there are films there from my childhood, like sort of, one film that I, I never get bored of talking about is Robocop, the original Paul Verhoeven Robocop, the first one, um, because it was such an incredible um, allegory uh, for the the world and, and the way it was seen, and it was so 
I don't know. Um, there was more to it than just your your average eighties ac- action film, um, and there's so many elements of it that I just I still love today. I really find that the story works. It's a great story. Um, the political satire is fantastic, and the the send up of the you know the the whole kind of consumerist capitalist kind of dystopia that America was turning into. Let's face it; it's not far from that in certain places. I mean, they were d- picturing Detroit in the future, and it was it was still a huge city. Um, that didn't quite work out the way I expected. But there's also other th- elements like the the costume design um, and the hair and makeup. Um, there's the the matte paint matte paintings that are used uh, as like sort of uh, backgrounds in in these you know old fashioned eighties visual effects. It's it's a, an absolute masterpiece in my opinion. Um, and a lot of people will say, well, it's no Citizen Kane, you know, it's no, it's no Schindler's List. It's not, it's not exactly Shawshank, is it? No. No, not every film has to compete with every film. See, one of the things I love about uh, the world of films is it's such a diverse, um, unique and challenging medium that it appeals to some really significant artists um, and there's an example of that we're going to get into a bit later on. Um, but for me, yeah, I can't see the podcast ending anytime soon. Um, because I can't see myself not wanting to waffle on about films anytime soon. And at the moment, yeah, you know, things have eased up a little bit. Um, and we are starting to get some kind of semblance of normal life back. But yeah, it's not quite what it was. So there isn't really the opportunity for the kind of interactions that I would normally enjoy so much uh, in regards to just waffling on, as I do, as I keep saying, about movies. Um, Now, there has been a temptation to expand this into more than just a movie podcast and make it about TV as well. Um, But I think if I was going to do that, I would just have to make this an all-round geek type podcast um because if i'm going to talk about films and tv shows there's a part of me that might want to talk about comics as well or video games or books or fucking i don't know puppet shows just fucking there's there's so much that entertains me and um excites me and delights me and enthralls me and comforts me and all of the above really um but you know, it, I, I feel like sort of by having a vague podcast that I'm not really appealing to anyone specifically. Maybe I'm appealing to a larger group, but I'm not really going for mass appeal here. I know, no surprise, huh? Um, but yeah, I feel that my appreciation and ability to um, discuss and analyze films is becoming better through each episode that I do. I'm learning more about how to really sort of understand films. Because, I mean, whilst I've always had a great understanding of the films that I've enjoyed, uh, it's a kind of abstract thing where, like, sort of, I can't really put it into words how it makes me feel or why it was important or significant. But but it it still is. Um, And so being able to articulate that like the first time I started doing this podcast, it was it was quite strange. Um, it was a lot of rambling, but I didn't really have the ability to convey what was good or bad or interesting or disappointing or shocking. You know, I, I really didn't have a way of articulating that kind of point of view. Um, and that's been something that's developing as time has gone on. And I've had some good feedback on that as well. You know, um, it there are people that recognise the fact that I am improving uh, my podcasting skills in regards to my presentation. Um, but yeah, there's still a long way to go. And uh, I'm interested to see what this turns into. So we're going to keep it movie-based. Um, you know, and I've been watching a, a lot of films, uh, a lot of TV shows, sorry, Um so maybe if I find the time, I could do a sister podcast, which would basically be about TV shows. 
Um, I'll tell you one thing for certain. I, I stayed up last night and watched all of Ted Lasso on Apple+. Plus. Um, I got Apple Plus for Greyhound. I wanted to watch that with Tom Hanks. Um, and I was just kind of sat flipping through Netflix and Prime last night trying to find something to watch. And it kind of dawned on me. I'm like, I've got a whole service here um, that I'm not watching. Like Apple Plus and Disney Plus. I'm, I have, but I'm just not really watching them. I, I sat down and watched Iron Man 3 the other morning just for the sake of watching something on Disney Plus. Um, yeah. But... So I, I, I did sit down and I watched uh, Ted Lasso, uh, which is uh, Jason Sudeikis' new sitcom about um, an NFL coach coming to England to manage a premiership team um, and the, the, the nonsense and the mayhem and the, the hilarity that ensues. Um, if I'm going to quickly go off subject for this, this podcast, I will say check that show out because... It was so much more endearing and charming than I could ever have expected. I actually got to work on one episode. Um, and I couldn't really get an, an idea from that that day, um, just what it was going to be like. I really didn't have much time on set. I didn't really get, get to see what's going on. Um, just chanting in a pub. But um, that, was, that was wonderful. It was a beautiful show. And it, it actually had uh, a lot more going for it than I expected. So there you go. There you go. I've broken the rules and I've recommended a TV show. But I, you know, what are you going to do? It's it's a good TV show. But let's let's get on with it because um here we are, the following feature podcast. It's supposed to be about films, so let's get stuck straight in to the film news. Now, Christopher Nolan, um as you know, he's got his film Tenet out. Um, I didn't end up doing that um, Tenet Explained podcast. I did about an hour of it, and then I realised I didn't fully understand the fucking film. I thought I did. But then it's just one of those films that the more you think about it, you're like, wait a second. So is is he from the future? And it's just, yeah, it's one of those things that... The more you think about it, the more it kind of blows your mind. I'm still loving that film. I might go back and see it a third time, just because there's not really much choice at the cinema right now. But, um, yeah, Christopher Nolan has it. He's still on the tour. He's still They're still promoting the film as best they can with the current restrictions. I mean, it's mostly Skype that they're doing it. Um, but him and uh, the star John David Washington were recently being interviewed by, um, I believe it was a French magazine, um, and Christopher Nolan is actually backing his tenant star uh, to be the lead in a new Green Lantern movie, should there be one. Um, asked in an interview if he ever saw himself as a big screen superhero, uh, Washington gestured towards Nolan, who directed the most successful DC movies in the last 20 years, and said, ask him. Uh, at this point, the interview asked, can we get a Nolan-directed Green Lantern movie, please? Uh, to which Nolan replied, I think my DC days are over. Um... And he added that I think Washington, I think he would be an excellent choice. Uh, he certainly gets my vote. Um, so th there you go. Um, and it, it's not something that I'd really co contemplated before. I'm not sure what iteration of um, the Green Lantern that would be. But um, yeah, um, John David Washington as the Green Lantern. I think that would be a very good move. I think that would be a very interesting thing to see. And if they are, because I know they're developing a, a Green Lantern TV series. Um, for HBO Max, that could be interesting. That could be an avenue that he could he could explore. But whether he, you know, he's making a, quite an impact as um a movie actor right now. Um, and he might want to keep that one going for a little while. But you know, TV shows aren't what they used to be. And considering that Zack Snyder's Justice League cut is going to be basically a, a serialized. TV series. I mean, it's only going to be a, a, a four-parter, but um, yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting world that we were kind of delving into there. Um, but you know, I'm I'm really impressed with John David Washington. Uh, he was fantastic in Tenet, but he was also fantastic in The Black Klansman as well. Um, and you know, I, I really want to see him do more stuff. What really surprised me though, and I can't fucking believe that I didn't even know this beforehand. I don't know how. This bit of information slipped by me. But it turns out John David Washington has a famous father. 
Now I know what you're probably thinking. Like, yeah, everyone knows the clue is in the name. Um, well, I don't know. Call me a cautious white guy, but I didn't want to make that association that two black men with the same surname might somehow be related. Um, but yeah, it turns out John David Washington is the son of Denzel Washington. Mind blown. I had no fucking idea. I mean, it's not like they look much alike. Um, <clears throat> yeah, um, but that's where that pedigree comes from. That's where that kind of um, understanding and respect for the craft comes from. So, yeah, and Denzel, you know, he's one of those actors that he's easily one of the greatest actors of our generation, but he churns out a lot of bullshit, doesn't he? Doesn't he? He does, though, doesn't he? I mean, come on, doesn't he? He does. Uh, there, there's certain films where, and it's it's weird as well because I feel like I'm I've, I've missed the boat on some of these because there are films that get great great um, reviews and and people go crazy for it and I'm like really that film like for example Training Day I thought it was boring I thought it was pretentious um, I thought it just never really got going for me and I just I found it very disappointing I just I can't see what all the fuss was about. I can't see where the Oscar nominations came from. It was just, yeah, a bland movie. Um, but then he does films like Man on Fire, and I'm just like, what the f... I mean, it just blows me away in films like that. Um, so yeah, he's one of those. He's one of those actors where he is obviously great, but I don't know, sometimes he's in a, he's in a film and I just think, like the Equalizer films, have you seen those? Awful. God awful. Um, but, you know, and he makes, uh, oh, what was that one? Fallen with uh, James Gandolfini. That was so fucking good. Oh, that's a good film. Yeah, Denzel's the man. Don't get me wrong. He is incredible. Um, and now we have a second generation Washington who's equally as good. Um, will he end up being a DC superhero? Not sure. But on that subject, Wonder Woman 1984 has had its release date pushed back. Again! Yeah, I know. You thought I'd yeah, I'd stopped with all these constant reminders that films are being pushed back, pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. I think everyone thought, now Tenet's out, that's it. No more pushbacks. We're going to get everything exactly as we were supposed to get it. Exactly when we're supposed to get it. No! That's not happening. Um, Wonder Woman, it's supposed to be... It was supposed to be released October 2nd. Well, I think it's supposed to be released in fucking June or something crazy like that. I think its original release date might have even been April. But it's actually coming out now. Wait for it. Brrr. Fucking Christmas Day. Now, who the fuck goes to the cinema on Christmas Day? It, I, I, don't, I don't see how that would be fitting of... of I, I don't know. I mean, saying that, I think I went to see... Masters of the Universe um, on my sixth birthday or seventh birthday. Can't quite remember, but I remember that coming out and that was a Christmas release. But we didn't go to the fucking cinema on Christmas Day. I mean, I'm not saying like sort of, it's disrespecting the baby Jesus. I don't, I'm, I'm an atheist. I don't know. You know, that's, it's a, a, com a commercial um, holiday where we all show each other love and generosity and kindness and compassion. Um... Nothing to do with religion, as far as I'm concerned. You know, let's let's just move past that. That's that's a heavy subject, and if, if if it's not a TV podcast, it's certainly not a fucking religious podcast. So let's just move past the entire thing. Um, but yeah, Wonder Woman's coming out. I'm really looking forward to this. I really did enjoy the first one. Um, it's a bit corny in places, but I think it worked. I think it worked in a similar way to um. The first Captain America film, where yeah, it was a bit corny and and it you know a bit cheesy in places, but I I really did genuinely enjoy it and and found it very heartfelt. Um, and the the sequel, Nineteen Eighty Four, looks absolutely fantastic as well. It's got a, an amazing cast. Not only has Gal Gadot returned as um, the princess herself, but Chris Pine's back as Steve, not Steve Rogers. Why do I want to keep saying? I shouldn't have mentioned fucking Captain America now. Um, but anyway, he's back. Um, and we've got some great baddies as well. We've got Pedro Pascal. Um, and we've also got... Um, what's her name? 
Kirsten Wig playing uh, Cheetah. Cheetah. Cheetah? I was, you know, the reason that came out weird, because for a moment I was about to say Cheetara, as in Thundercats. Ho! Um, it's, that's not, that's a different thing, but tangent time. Get ready, people. Oh my God, would I love to see a fucking Thundercats film. Like, I mean, think about it. With the technology we have these days, with CGI, you could recreate those characters perfectly and in such amazing, lush detail. You could really bring them to life. In fact, I'm going to say it right now. I want to see a Zack Snyder Thundercats. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that doesn't sound like a fucking incredible film. Imagine the kind of people you could put into that. You know, I mean, who would you cast as Lion-O? Um, hmm. I'm distracted now. I'm lost. I'm thinking Chris Evans, Captain America. Maybe because he's on my mind. I don't know. I don't know. Thoughts, people. Lion-O, who should play him? Chitara, who should play her? Obviously not Kirsten Wig now. Panthro. Kind of sounds a bit like a role that was made for Vin Diesel, doesn't it? Um, ooh, Lion-O, maybe Bradley Cooper. I don't know. Anyway, the haha point is um, Wonder Woman's coming out on Christmas Day now. Um, and to be honest, I just want that to get out. I want Wonder Woman 1984 to be released and fucking Black Widow to be released because if they release one more trailer with one more extra bit of footage, I may have already seen the film. There's just too much. And I understand they've got to keep, you know, they've got to keep the, the buzz going. They've got to keep people interested. But come on, reel it in a little bit. Don't just, I mean... Just, just just, hold back on the content right now. We've got enough to tease us. We want to see the film. Just get it out there and stop putting these fucking things back. Um, I don't know what they're thinking, really, because December 25th. If you're going to maximise the amount of money you can make on a film, why, why would you choose that day? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong and maybe it's actually a really great day for releasing films and it makes a lot of money, but it doesn't sound like a great idea in my opinion. Uh, what does sound like a great idea is Fast and Furious is going to space. Now, some of you may have heard this already. Ludacris was the first to suggest that the fam might be going, what might be racing into the final frontier, but co-star Michelle Rodriguez seems to have backed up Ludacris' claim that space is the next race for the franchise. So, if you haven't been following these films, um, that probably sounds a bit, like, far-fetched. But Fast and Furious films, if they've done one thing, they've redefined the term far-fetched. Because the, it's just ridiculous, the things they get up to. And in Fast 8, which is referred to as the Fate of the Furious... Um, we're going to get more of the same. Although maybe not, because Michelle, Michelle Rodriguez has also been talking about the fact that they have a female writer this time, and the female characters are given a bit more love and a bit more respect in this script. So very intrigued to see how that plays out. Um, you know, these, these films do appeal to what is probably considered a, a more kind of macho film-going audience. Um, but, you know, times have changed, and um, demographics have changed, and... It's not just, like, big action movies full of car chases aren't just for men anymore. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that comes across. But as far as Fast and Furious 9 is concerned, when they start making that, there is the, the story that apparently they will end up going to space. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. I mean, what? What does it mean? What What are they going to do? They can't bring cars into space, can they? I don't know. Watch this space though, because that that sounds fucking mental. And let's face it, any other franchise would be like, "All right, you've gone too far this time." But in Fast and Furious, like, I'll pay to see that motherfucker. I don't. I don't even know what. The, I don't know how that's going to turn out. But yeah, you've got. I'll buy a ticket. Sure. Um. In other, in other news, um, I was going to say a bit more down-to-earth, but we're going to talk about Thor now. 
Um, and I've, <laughs> for some reason, I put in my bullet point on my notes, um, forever? Yeah, just fucking, I'm disappointed with that, so you should be too. Chris Hemsworth has recently revealed what the future holds for his version of Thor in the MCU, or at least what it doesn't hold, retirement. When asked if Love and Thunder should be his swan song as the Asgardian, he exclaimed, Are you crazy? Oh, I'm not going to do the accent. He said, Are you crazy? I'm going in. I'm not going into retirement, uh, retirement period. Um, Thor is far too young for that. He's only 1,500 years old. It's definitely not a film that I say goodbye to this brand. At least I hope so. Um, so basically, yeah. Thor Love and Thunder, or Thor 4. Thor 4. Um, is out February 11th, 2022, depending on the apocalypse. Now, I, I mean, Jesus, yeah. Ragnarok was such an amazing film because not only did it um, keep the, 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 the MCU ticking along, but it reinvigorated part of the franchise that was kind of struggling on its own. Um, Thor Dark World was seen to be a decent film, but not really encapsulating the awe and um, excitement that the MCU was building at that point. Um, it was quite a subdued entry into the MCU, and for that reason it had been seen as one of the most disappointing films of the franchise. Still, not a bad film, but just a bit bleak and a bit, you know... Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't huge. But then it was referenced so much in Endgame that people were kind of saying, oh, bollocks, now I have to go back and watch that again. Um... And I think a lot of people rediscovered it with um, a different set of eyes and thought, you know what, it's not actually as shit as I remember. Um, and that happens a lot. Because uh, there are so many films around it that, that build up the expectations so high that, you know, anything that, that kind of... If you're used to just seeing like 99%, 99%, 99%, when something suddenly drops in at like 95 you're like, hmm, that was disappointing. But in any other day, 95% is a fucking huge achievement. Um... I'm not saying that that's how I rate those films. I'm just giving you, you know, an analogy or something. I don't really know what I'm talking about. But yeah, so we could, we are getting more Thor beyond Love and Thunder. Um, he will be apparently featured or at least slightly involved in the next Guardians of the Galaxy film, from what I understand. Um and I'm sure he's certainly down for future Avengers movies. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but as far as Hemsworth is concerned, he is not done yet. And he's not looking to give up anytime soon. Which is great because his Thor is absolutely fantastic. It's absolutely one of the best things of, of the MCU. Um, and Takawatiti, who um, held the reins during Ragnarok, is returning for Love and Thunder. And apparently this one's... A lot more fun than previous four films. And considering how much fun Ragnarok was, that's saying something. Um, yeah, can't wait for that. Although, kind of fucking have to because that's a long fucking time away. But yeah, good news, good news, good news. Another person returning um, basically in one of their most famous and successful characters, Borat 2 apparently is wrapped and in the can. Um, and I'm talking about... Well, basically what we're hearing is that a number of uh, random sightings of the star, uh, Session Baron Cohen, doing provoca provocative stuff, is related to the fact that apparently the film is, has already been screened for industry insiders and it's going to be called uh, Borat Great Success. Oh, so tempted to do the accent. Um which is following Borat after he gained uh, fame for his first documentary. This one, as the first was, points some very accusing things at conservative America, and Trump in particular, with the movie referencing the coronavirus pandemic and his association with Jeffrey Epstein, who didn't kill himself. Um, expected to be just uh, before the US elections in November because it seems to be targeting that demographic. Um, and this is the thing as well, like, sometimes... You can't just tell people how they're wrong. You need to hold up a mirror to them and let them see it for themselves. Let them really discover it because sometimes that's the only way you can get through to people is just by like showing them um, a fresh perspective on what they believe to be reality. And hopefully, that's what Borat can do. Um, I, I mean, he's had to film it in secret 
And he did say, when the original came out in 2006, he did say, like, when they asked if there's going to be a sequel, he's like, there's, it's impossible. I can never do it. Um, he says, too many people will be expecting it now. And the only reason he got away with it in the first place was that nobody really knew who Borat was. And, and he was able to get away with so much. But he did say at the time, he says, I'd have to leave it for like a, a, at least like 10 years or so. Um, well, it's been 14. And here we go, baby. We're getting a second Borat film. And I f can't fucking wait. Sasha Baron Cohen, um, he's extremely intelligent and extremely clued up when it comes to um, politics. Uh, but not only that, um, to human behavior and how to manipulate it and to um, making people show their own true colors. He's the master of that. And with everything that's going on at the moment, especially in America, I can't wait to see what he comes out with. So, yeah. That's that's the end of the movie news this week. Um, I'm sure there was a lot that's happened in the last two weeks, but um, if I've missed anything, let me know. I try to get the most important things across. Again, this isn't a very long podcast. This episode is probably going to be slightly longer than normal because of all the waffling at the beginning. Eh, what are you going to do? Sue me. Um, but I want this one to flow a bit more naturally as well. Uh, so this might be one of the very first episodes that has absolutely no editing. Scary stuff. Um, but, yeah. That was the film news. Now, let's get into the film reviews. And our first film of the day, uh, of the week, of the weekend, of the podcast. Our first film is The New Mutants. Now, it's finally been released after two and a half years of delays. Was it worth it? Short answer is no. The story begins with Danny, a young Native American girl whose camp has been attacked in the middle of the night by some unseen terror. Having been the only one to survive the attack, she awakens in a me medical facility where she is being cared for, along with several other young adults. It soon becomes apparent, however, that these are not your average group of adolescents, as one by one they reveal their powers. However, they don't get an explanation as to what is haunting them, why they are there, and what is the purpose of the facility they're being kept in. To find the truth, they must learn to trust each other as they work to escape with their lives. But what is the true danger? And what if it isn't what they thought it was? So, this isn't a great movie. It's not. Um, which is extra disappointing considering how long we've been waiting for it. Um, I think they originally started filming this around 2016, 2017, and I believe it was supposed to come out April 2018. So that's two years, four months delayed. Um, and the thing was, the more things kind of carried on, we, we kind of expected this to be one of the films that just went straight onto a streaming platform. Um, there wasn't a big expectation of getting a huge return at the cinema. Um, and it was a way of keeping people interested. I mean, basically, if you put this out in streaming, and even if you charge a little bit for it, you could have made a lot more money back because not many people would have had a choice, really. There's no new films coming out, and um, uh, if you were to rent it from Prime or something like that, you could, you know, even if it was, like, as much as three ninety nine, I'm sure you would have got thousands upon thousands upon thousands, if not millions of people renting it. But delaying it, delaying it, delaying it, and then finally releasing it at the cinema when there's restricted crowds um, and, you know, not a lot of people are going to cinema. Again, I went to see this film and I was one of five people in the cinema, um, which is one of those surprising things. Like I thought the the crowds in the cinema were going to make it very uncomfortable and, and make it feel, you know, like it wasn't really worth it. But I'm telling you, with the amount of space that we had between each other, the masks were off, munching on our popcorn and just enjoying a film. Although there was this one weird woman behind me that was just, uh, well, I thought there were two. I thought they were having a conversation, just talking, 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 all the way through the film, making weird noises, um, and just being generally annoying. And, yeah, when the lights came up and, and we were all getting ready to leave, I looked around and one woman sat by herself. Um, and she looked very disorientated. And when she left, she was kind of waddling slightly, as if she'd had an accident. Just the fucking bizarrest man and this was like two o'clock on a saturday afternoon so i'm not talking about this as like a late night friday night she probably wandered in there drunk like no 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 
it was just a weird situation. So, not only was that annoying, but the film itself was surprisingly bad. I mean, I've got to be honest with you. I I held out hope that this would be good, maybe not as good as some of the MCU films, but still an enjoyable film. I mean, they, they were so dedicated to get, getting a cinematic release. They had such faith in it um, that I just kind of expected a little bit more. But what we get is is quite, quite a short um, and rushed film where we don't really know much about what's going on. Um, there's not really much in the way of explaining who the different characters are or what their backstories are. We're kind of thrown into this situation where um, they're kind of prisoners, but they're not. Uh, they're kind of being treated, but they're definitely not. Um, and there's just no real explanation as to why they're there. I mean, you do get like a little bit of a flashback and you kind of realise that it's somehow linked to Logan um, and the other X-Men movies, but um, just vaguely, vaguely kind of, yeah, linked. I mean, it's just, it's really not, it's not a coherent connection to the MCU um, or the the X-Men films themselves. It's just... I don't know. It's weird. It's a, it's a a weird film in which we don't really get a full explanation as to who's who, why they're there, what they're doing, what their motivations are, what their needs are, um, what kind of brings them together, what pushes them apart. Um, everything just kind of goes bang, 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 and then suddenly we're at a climatic end, which it's it's hard to really understand where the danger's coming from. Um, and I'd like to say that in a positive way, like kind of like oh. Uh, there's a twist and, you know, things aren't what they seem. They, they are. They they are absolutely what you seem. I mean, you pretty much get an idea straight away um, what the terror is and, and where it's coming from. Um, and they, they don't... Nothing's kind of delivered subtly in the film. It's all laid out on a plate, you know, spelt with Lego, basically. It's it's as fucking, you know, basic as you can you can get. And I just, I just found the whole thing to be devoid of any real... Um, emotional depth or character exploration or significant plot points that really made me kind of go wow so this is happening now i just it just kind of meandered through a, a series of events which led to a big finale which was kind of a damp squid as well like you really expect it to kind of be building up to something huge but it doesn't and then it ends and you're like didn't i just fucking arrive like what the hell was that I think it's about 90 minutes long, and it's just... Blah. I felt bad for Maisie Williams. Um, this was supposed to be her big film coming off the back of Game of Thrones. Um, and it, you know, the delay didn't help. And she does give a lovely performance in it. Um, she's very sweet, very charming, very Scottish. Um, Anna Taylor-Joy, sorry, Anya Taylor-Joy is in it. And I don't really know her for much, but I... I do know her from working with her on um, the new Edgar Wright film, uh, uh, Last Night in Soho. Um, I really don't know what to expect from her, but this wasn't a really good showing of what her abilities were um, as an actress, not as a superhero. Uh, just very, I don't know, hammy delivery of, of very corny lines. Um, who else is in it? Oh, yeah, Charlie Heaton. Um as you know from the the unlucky lad from Stranger Things, uh, he's in it and he's great. You know, he's a proper like sort of out of his element hick who's got powers he doesn't understand. Um, comes from a bit of a torturous background, and you kind of want to hear more about that. You want to explore a bit more about you know what it is that's happened to him. That that's his motivation that's provoked him, and how that has influenced. Uh, the powers that have manifested. And it's just, it's, it, it, there is so much that you feel it could have done. And I feel if it had just done a bit more, like if there was an extra 20 minutes in the film, where they just spent a little bit time kind of explaining certain people so that they had some kind of significance on the way the plot unfolds, which would then give the plot a little bit more of a landing when we get to the big 
third act. You know, it, that's all it really needed. And the fact that they had two and a half years and, and plenty of time, uh, they'd had all these test screenings, all this feedback, all this time to kind of really make it into a better film, and they just didn't. So, yeah, it's out of the cinema if you want to go and see a, a film at the cinema that you haven't seen before. Um, but go with low expectations. Um, you know, I think the most enjoyable film, the most enjoyable enjoyable thing about that viewing was the popcorn, you know? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It wasn't a great film. Um, but at least we waited two and a half years for it. My next film um, couldn't be any more different. I mean, basically, this uh, I'm thinking of ending things uh, is the new film from Charlie Kaufman that was just landed on Netflix uh, just over a week ago. Um, I was actually going to review it just over a week ago as well, but... I had some heavy things going on, and this is a very heavy film. And I kind of got the impression straight away, like, this is not a good time to watch this. Um, and I would offer some caution that if you are going through, you know, a less than stable time uh, with your mental health, that this is this is quite, it's, it's an in- incredible film. But it does touch on some subjects which might be, uh, I don't want to say triggering, um, but it just might, I don't know, it might not be the one, you have to be in a certain frame of mind to watch this, and if you suffer from depression, it's still a beautiful film and you probably will enjoy it a lot, but it it might not help shake the the darkness away. Um, It certainly won't shed much light on it. Um, but I don't want you to go into this thinking that this is a depressing, bleak film. This is a beautiful work of art which blew me away. Uh, and I'm really happy that it's happening. I'm a big Charlie Kaufman fan. Um, I, I, my first introduction to him was uh, being John Malkovich, which if you haven't seen, I really don't know how to describe. Um, these people find uh, a portal into the mind of John Malkovich, but they find it on a half a floor of a office block. I really can't explain it. Being John Malkovich, absolutely brilliant. The follow-up adaptation is even more batshit crazy, but again, a work of pure fucking genius, which just had me in awe, really, of its just its audacity, its its um its originality. It's it's just yeah, fantastically written and fantastically made films. Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind as well is is one of those ones that people do love and I can understand why it is an absolutely fantastic film um, yeah so this is this is his latest, his latest film and it's based on a short book of the same title um, I'm Thinking of Ending Things stars Jessie Buckley as a young lady who as she states several times throughout the movie is thinking of ending things Jake played by Jesse Plemons is taking his girlfriend to visit his family on the farm he grew up on. As they drive, his girlfriend is distracted by thoughts of finality and recites poems that are bleak and telling. When they arrive, Jake's parents, played by the incredible Tony Collette and David Thewlis, engage the couple in an unsettling and disconnected way, becoming older and younger as the unusual meal takes place. When they leave, their journey is more treacherous and unnerving for Jake's girlfriend, as she's subjected to unusual encounters that end with them visiting his old high school. But is this where the journey is concluded? And will she finally end things? Now, that probably isn't a very good synopsis of the film. Um, I know you really want to get an idea of what the story is about. Um, And it is really about um, a couple going to visit a family, you know, the um, meet, meet the parents type meeting on the family farm and what we're actually experiencing here, at least how it's been explained to me, um, is that if you imagine someone's coming to the end of their life, what would it look like if your life literally flashed before your eyes? You know, would it be a linear story with clarity where every point is met and told in uh, a very understandable way? 
Or would it be a menagerie of different abstract thoughts and recollections and references? I mean, in this, we, we get the girlfriend. I, I refer to her as the girlfriend because while she is mo- mainly referred to as Lucy, she's referred to as at least four or five different other names. Um, and the story of how they met changes a few times as well. Um, so what... I mean, I'm, and I'm only telling you this because I think it might help to, to go in watching it this way. Um, it kind of feels like you're you're um, seeing the world through the eyes of someone that's about to depart this world. Um, and the the way that it kind of focuses on emotional states, um, thoughts of loss, uh, thoughts of sadness, um, thoughts of regret, and just not being able to let go of the past. It's actually quite a beautiful piece, and it really does draw you in in a way that kind of I, don't, I really don't know how to describe it it's it's mesmerizing in its um in its ability to make you feel without fully understanding like there are moments where where dialogue is delivered and thoughts are shared between characters which really are quite provocative and quite emotive but where they fit in the narrative is not clear but it doesn't have to be now, a bit of advice that was given when Tenet was released, and it's, it's one that's in the film, and it's, it's quite a good um, bit of advice for the actual film itself, is don't try to understand it. Just feel it. Now, what you need to understand about I'm Thinking of Ending Things is that it is quite the art house movie. It is quite... Um, it's not quite as coherent as a normal linear story would be. And the way it kind of shows different different versions of the lives that are being remembered, it, it really does, it can be quite confusing at times, but it's not about trying to figure out how that fits into, as I say, a linear narrative. It's about just appreciating what these moments mean to the person that's remembering them and experiencing them. Why are they significant and... and why are they being remembered at this time? Um, I re- I really did find it quite a beautiful film, and it did move me um, in a way that I really just yeah I wasn't quite expecting. Um, it can be quite thought provoking in regards to the finality of death um, and the ability to. I don't know. Just understand all the thoughts that are going through your head when... I mean, as I said before, like, I've suffered from depression. And it can be quite an illogical situation to deal with. Because um, as a person of reasonable intellect, I can reason quite well. And I can legitimise certain feelings uh, based on my life experience. But what depression is, is illegitimate feelings i think that's one of the most like honest ways i can put it you're you're experiencing a feeling of sadness without being sad and that can be quite difficult to convey to people who simply want to cheer you up like that's the way it works um so to consider emotions in an abstract form it's something I'm kind of used to. And this film, it managed to provoke that in me. I'm not saying it, it, it kind of triggered any kind of depression. You shouldn't be worried about it doing the same to you. Although, you know, depression is weird how it can be triggered sometimes. Um, what I found is that I had a new appreciation for the randomness in, in the way my thoughts are collected sometimes. I'm not saying that I'm any any way on the same level as Charlie Kaufman, but it's good to know that humans do think in that way. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm confessing something now. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a great film. 
and I really would check it out. It's not going to be for everyone. I don't think everyone's going to like it. I don't think everyone's going to understand it. I think some people are going to try to want to understand it more than it's meant to be understood. And that can be frustrating. But give it a try, because it's one of the most beautiful films that I've watched in a quite a long time. Um, and it's one that I'm really looking forward to rediscovering. Um, <clears throat> as I say, I, I knew that I was going to review it for the podcast. But if I'm honest, I waited till last night to watch it. Uh, so it's still kind of fresh in my mind, and maybe I need to watch it again. Um, but yeah, you should definitely check it out. If you're a fan of film, um, and if you like uh, Charlie Kaufman, like the films that he does, you'll really, really enjoy this. Um, uh, both Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons give wonderful performances. I can't explain Jesse Plemons. He's one of those like very understated actors. That just seems to blow me away every single time he's in anything. I can't, I can't figure that one out. But he's, he's great. But I tell you what, the parents, Tony Collette is, is incredible, and her performance is quite typical of her. Um, and she's, she's absolutely mesmerizing. But she, she plays, uh, well, she, she's able to convey a certain erraticness, which is not just human, but well, it's not just it's not just portraying who the person is but how they're being remembered by someone who's not really thinking clearly. Again, that might not make sense, but it will when you make, when you see the film. It's really, really well done. Uh, but I had to make a, a point on David Fulis playing um, Jake's dad in this film. I, you may not be familiar with David Fulis. I mean, if you look him up on the internet, you've probably seen his face in a few different things. He is one of the greatest actors that um, Britain has ever produced. Um, he is an unbelievable talent, and in this, he is shockingly good. I mean, I was just, I was so amazed by his his um, ability and the performance that he gives. It's it's so fantastic, and it's so eye catching in a way. I mean, as an actor, I'm looking for those performances that really makes me appreciate the craft or understand it in a way that I didn't before and David Thewlis's performance in this it does so much to convey what's going on without really having to you know chew up the scene with loads of exposition or anything like that so yeah watch the film watch the film give it a go I promise you it's a really great film um if you don't like it I understand it's not for everyone but I think you will I think you'll enjoy it I think you'll really like it our last film of the podcast, um, and yes, I deliberately picked this one out because uh, it's 42, and it stars uh, the late Chadwick Boseman as Jackie Robinson. Um, and yes, I did pick this one out because I'm I'm basically just trying to find all the films that he's been in that I haven't watched, because I haven't really paid much attention to Chadwick Boseman's career. And now that both his career and his life have come to such a an unfortunate and shocking end. It's it's a nice time to be able to sit back and go, right, well, let's see what he was all about. And um as I say, 42, it stars the late Chadwick Boseman as Jackie Robinson, who was the first black man to play in Major League Baseball. Uh, Brooklyn Dodgers owner Branch Rickey, Quaid, played quite perfectly by Harrison Ford, is determined to have a black ball player in his team. Now, everyone's against the idea, but he knows it's the future, and he wants to be the one that kicks start this this revolution in Major League Baseball. Um, it's post-war. There's a depression. Everything's a bit bleak, um, and the game has suffered. Um, so many young men went to war that you know they. Whilst they're at war, as you may have seen in the Madonna film with Tom Hanks, um, what was that one called? A League of Their Own, where all the ladies start their own baseball league just to kind of give the, the family something to watch. Um, I digress. Um, yeah, so uh, Branch Ricky, he wants to, um, I say Harrison Ford is fantastic, but he wants to have a, a blackboard player in his team. He wants to be the first. And when a journalist suggests Jackie Robinson, he sends out a scout. And pretty soon, 
Robinson is signing a contract and is off to summer training. But his journey's only just begun. Post-war America is full of racists who will not come around to the idea of a non-white being part of America's favourite pastime. Jackie must endure abuse from the teams, the fans, the coaches, and even his own teammates at times. Knowingly, he can... Well, knowing that he can open the door for so many more to follow, he gives everything to earn his place, not only in the team, but in the sport. And he grows a thick skin to ensure that he can get through it. Now, this film, I I mean, again, I know it's been out for a while and I should have discovered it a while ago. This was pretty much the film that made Chadwick Boseman when he he went from TV to movies. Um, And I'll be honest with you, the film is is lovely. It's a sweet and charming film and it's very enjoyable, but it's not amazing. I mean, it, it tells you most of what you need to know, but for me, it kind of plays down the amount of abuse he suffered. I mean, it shows significant moments where he had to endure it in its most extreme form, but for the most part, um, it seems to portray different white people kind of stepping up their game and and like seeing the world for what it is and embracing you know the new world um and like letting go to their old prejudices um and for me it kind of focused on that more than it did uh the hardship felt by jackie robinson he's always portrayed as someone that's you know well as soon as he gets signed up he's he's living a decent life with his wife and you know they're they're raising a child they've got a nice big house they've got lots of money it's whilst it is portrayed as like sort of you know and and it was definitely a, a terrible terrible time for him he had to he had to suffer for the future of of many that would come after him and it was an extremely painful thing to go through um but i don't feel like the the film really encapsulated that um, Chadwick does an incredible job and he does do his best to really portray the the emotional turmoil experienced by the actual Jackie Robinson um, he gives a, a wonderful performance it's, it's no doubt or it, it doesn't surprise me at all that he went on from this to get more leading roles and, and um, you know uh, a really incredible film career that, that hit some incredible highs and um, but it does kind of go back to what he was originally trying to do. Um, like he 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 said himself that he'd he'd basically uh, represented himself in a way that that meant that a lot of doors got closed to him. But he knew that if he carried on being true to who he was, the right doors would open, and they'd open at the right time, and he would be in the right place to to take advantage of that opportunity. <clears throat> and Chadwick did that, you know. I think the the doors that he's opened for black actors, um, and and the way they're 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 seen in the the world of uh, Hollywood, I think, yeah, I think he he's, you know, in a similar way to Jackie Robinson, he hasn't had to endure the um the the terrible things that Jackie had to go through, although he did endure cancer for four years whilst trying to lift the spirits of many people around him and suffering in silence as he powered through and you know became a role model um and an inspiration for so many people um yeah so whilst i enjoyed the film um i mainly enjoyed it for chadwick and just remembering who he was um He's a great actor and he gives a great performance in this film. There's no doubt about it. Harrison Ford is incredible as well. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I won't say it's, you know, it should have won Oscars or anything like that. It's it's not that good. Um, but I really did enjoy the film and I would recommend it. I, I do think, I, I think it's really worth watching because I think for a lot of us in England as well, we don't know about that whole story. We don't know about, um, you know, when it comes to, to black history, it seems like, the schools mostly focus on the the classics. They just go Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Rosa Parks, something, 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 Barack Obama. Um, and it's just like, you know, there were so many 
uh, significant black people uh, that are at the heart of America and its history and what it is. Um, and a lot of conservative Americans won't like to hear that, but it's a country shaped by immigrants completely and totally. If you want to say that you're a true American, unless you're actually like Navajo or, you know, one of those original um, indigenous tribes of, of America, you're not. You're, you're a, you know, a descendant of immigrants that, that took the land. And immigrants continue to shape and build that country and make it great. And uh, the irony of um, a bigoted racist trying to destroy its immigrant heritage in order to make America great again? <sighs> what a world. Anyway, that's pretty much it. That's the podcast. We did return and we have done podcasting. Um, again, sorry to, to leave you in the lurch for a week. Uh, I don't know what you guys did with yourselves, um, but I'm glad you're back. I don't know who's going to listen to this. I don't know how many people are going to listen to this. I don't know how many listeners I've managed to lose having a week off. Hopefully not many. Hopefully you're still out there. And hopefully together we can kind of build this into something special. Because I don't know what the future holds for me right now. I have a temp job, which I've got one more week in. And then um, the following Monday, the 21st, I'll be heading down to Warner Brothers to start work on the film. I can't tell you what the film is. Um, some of you know, um, but yeah, I can't mention what the film is until the film is actually released. Um, so don't go thinking that I'm going to be given some kind of behind the scenes scoop on what's happening and given all kinds of spoilers. I don't do that kind of stuff. I'm not into it. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's worth it. Um, I don't like spoilers, so I'm certainly not going to be championing them, um, in a way that could affect my position in the career that I love. So that's not going to happen, but I am worried now because um, the recent studies show that the uh, amount of COVID cases are doubling every eight days. Ah, Jesus. And if the death toll, a death toll starts rising again, we're going to have another lockdown. And the whole th my whole summer was fucked up by the fact that I left a temp contract knowing that I was going straight into a movie. And as soon as the temp contract ended, the movie got cancelled. And it's the same fucking movie. Um, and that was at the end of March. Now we're getting into, like, towards, well, the middle of September. And the same fucking thing might happen again. Um, so I'm hoping that, um, I mean, the, the whole thing is, like, because it is a big Warner Brothers movie, uh, they do have millions. To, I'm probably going to have to isolate. But hey, you know what that means? More time for podcasting. Um, but yeah, I don't know what I'm going to watch uh, in the next week or so. That's a complete fucking lie, because you know what I've remembered? I've got a ticket to see Bill and Ted on Wednesday. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, all of that jazz. Um, I'm so fucking excited for this. Uh, you know, there, there's versions of it popping up online. And when I realised that America had got it a couple of weeks before us, I was actually kind of pissed um because i was in a bad headspace at one point i did consider trying to find one of those dodgy websites to watch it but uh i can't i can't do it i can't ruin what's definitely going to be a, a, a fantastic cinematic experience for me um so i booked my ticket way in advance and i'm really really looking forward to getting down there with my big bag of popcorn um and just watching a new bill and ted film i mean these you know I can't remember, what, what was it, 1987 or 1989? I'll tell you what, let's do the classic. Alexa, when did Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure get released? If Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was released about 31 years ago on the 25th of August 1989. August 1989. I knew that, but for some reason I thought when I read that, I was thinking about Bogus Journey, which came out a couple of years later. Um, but yeah, here we are. We've got a new Bill and Ted film coming out. I'm really, really looking forward to that. And I'm really looking forward to the fact that I get to review it on the podcast. So, you know what, fuckers? I think I might have to go and see it twice. Uh, plus, I haven't told anyone I'm going to go see it. 
And I know there's at least a couple of people that are going to be really pissed off that I booked a ticket without them. But hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. This is my job. I'm being professional. Oh, no. Anyway, that's it for this week. Um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, thank you for coming back each and every week. Uh, I love all of you fucking crazy people. Um, and I love the support you give me as well. Not just for the podcast and the movie news, but for me personally as well. The way you reach out and the way you, you know, offer me encouragement and support. It's, it's you know, it makes my heart swell. And I truly appreciate each and every last fucking one of you. Even though I only really know about like seven of your names. Um, you want to introduce yourself and you know that we've never spoken before. Drop me a message either on Instagram or Facebook. Um, yeah, sorry, Sam. I haven't done Twitter yet. I'm sorry. All right. Jeez. Let it go. Um, but yeah, drop me a line. As I say, I'm always here. I'm always willing to listen uh, about anything. It doesn't even have to be movie related. If you want to speak to me just because you think I might be patient and understanding with you, I mean, you're wrong, but fucking give it a try. Who knows? But until next week, um, I wish you peace, love, and empathy. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, enjoy your week, and most importantly of all, enjoy your movies. Smell you later.